This is the EPLOG audio experience. What does it take for a young woman to navigate her way to the top? Is it easy? Is it hard? Can it be challenging? And what do you do if it gets lonely? You're listening to Voice of Achievers with me, Yashika. And we are decoding persuasion, difficult choices, gender battles and more with our guest today. Let's welcome Sonali Mishra, Vice President and Head HR India with Bain & Company. Sonali began her HR career in 2000 with General Electrics and has worked with then startups like Make My Trips prior to Bain. What I noticed in some of my initial interactions with her is the passion to support and nurture women in the workplace and ensure they're never hesitant to get a seat at the table. She's been a panelist and guest lecturer at some of the top institutes in the country. But here's the interesting bit. Sonali didn't begin her career as an HR person. She was an ad woman out of media school before an HR career led her to a different path altogether. So let's dive deep into this career trajectory and welcome Sonali on to the show. So happy to have you Sonali. Thank you for being there with us. Absolutely and uh, looking forward to this Yashika. Thanks for having me. What is interesting to note is the fact that you come from a family where your mother has been a working professional and so has your grandmother. Uh, Tell us how has it been working as a woman in the organizational, the corporate sector? What have been some of the challenges and some of the trade-offs actually that you've had to make? As you said, you know, planned to be a copywriter, studied for it and um, actually did some work in it when the reality of, you know, the challenges that being a woman in India really hits you in the face. You know, when you're um, in your early 20s and you're coming back home at 3 a.m. after doing a mad pitch or a race to the finish line, uh, it just feels extremely unsafe. You're worried till you get home. Your family is worried that you'll get home at all. And I think that, you know, took a lot of pressure um, as I continued to navigate. And I figured that maybe there is something that I need to explore which which would be more sustainable for me. And it's very unfortunate because I feel like um, I would have really enjoyed advertising, but you know, those are the choices and you make the best of what you have. And I think you also leave a little bit to life to figure out in which direction you will ultimately go. So um, Yashika, I think I've been lucky to see both sides. So on my maternal side, my mother and my grandmother were working professionals with MNCs. On my father's side, uh, my grandmother and my aunt were both homemakers. So I actually saw both sides. And uh, I think as I grew up, uh, the way my personality kind of turned out was I'm a huge control freak. 
and i think that you know kind of dictated a lot of how i would you know go on to make life choices so being a control freak i wanted control over my life i think the only way to realistically have control over your life as you grow and evolve is to be financially independent i was just going to ask how realistic is it to really have control over your life because that's what most youngsters are seeking mujhe control chahiye apne life ke upar or i want to plan the career path in such a way that i have full com- complete control for me it started with you know especially as a woman i think it started with saying that i will be financially independent uh, so that you know i can make my decisions because i can support myself and you know if i want to make a unpopular or hard decision i don't have to be dependent on either my spouse or my parents to support that decision though you know i would love for them to but i think at the end of the day if you are financially independent that gives you a lot of strength and courage to you know go your own uh, path and so um, that was point 1 for me uh, so ravi i'm sorry i'm interrupting but financial independence being something that's subjective do you define what financial independence means to you from a measurable point of view and then you say that once i reach this i feel that i am in control and therefore then i move forward yeah no that's a great question uh, so for me being financially independent means having enough money on a day to day basis to be able to live on my own if i have to which means then you buffer for things like house rent you know food transportation whatever your general lifestyle is that you were living you know either with your parents in or with your spouse in of course you know that's it's an elastic it's always easier to get used to more yes. but then just to sustain on a day to day basis comfortably is what i would you know uh, think about as being what it takes to be financially independent also being able to have some reserve for an emergency you know that could be maybe equivalent to two months of salary that could be equivalent to a year's bonus whatever it is you know some buffer on top of what it takes to live day to day comfortably is what my measure is and uh, so just continuing down that path you know i was very sure that i will um, therefore you know take a job now um, i'm not you know entrepreneurial i'm fairly risk averse as well so you know starting something of my own was not in the cards for me i see a bunch of amazing women do that now and do that very young and you know it it makes me feel extremely proud but i didn't have that muscle so for me it was a professional career and um, i think uh, also you know just planning things in a way that um, give you some kind of goal you know like i'm today let's say a year down the line this is where i see myself is something that you know keeps you on a path and keeps you honest i think if you don't know where you're going you're not 
going to land up anywhere. So I think just being planned about a bunch of things is important. Um, you, you asked me about, you know, how has it been? What were the challenges? I think uh, the first and foremost is knowing what you want and being 100% certain and confident that that is what you want. Because unless you are sure, you are not going to be able to convince others around you. If there's even 1% element of doubt on these life choices, then you will be convinced to do otherwise. So I think for me, the most important thing was being 100% sure about what I wanted. This is very interesting. I'm going to stop you here. How do you arrive at what you really want? Because the world is so dynamic, things around you are so dynamic. Can you really arrive at what you really want? And how do you do that? So I would do it in time spans, right? One, there is an overall ideology of your life. For me, that ideology was to be financially independent. And then you go from there, right? So I've, I've walked you through what financial independence means. But then beyond that, it also means that there will be certain trade-offs which you spoke about that you know you will have to make uh, to continue down that path. So we started with a financial independence goal. Then it came down to being a professional. Then this choice of profession, which we already spoke about, changed from advertising to HR. And then it is about the next stage of your life, which is, you know, when you're moving out from your parents and if you are married or if you have a significant other, it's living with them, right? And so then the next corollary in any, you know, Indian society is what about kids? And I think I was pretty clear very early on that, um, having had the experience of having a working mother and seeing, you know, the juggling that it required, also seeing that she had a brilliant support system. We had, you know, really good uh, care at home and, you know, our grandparents were invested in making sure that things were going okay while my mom was at work. My mom was still working, uh, you know, when I got married and she had a number of years still to go before she retired. Uh, so I knew that that was not happening, right? I would not be asking her to stop the career she's invested in from the age of 21 to take care of a, of a hypothetical child. So we had a conversation, my discomfort being that I did not think it was right for me to do both, especially with the demands of both parenting and my profession, which have really changed over the last two or three decades. Now you need to be all in, you know, or all out on the other side, right? So at least for me, it was not doable. And I spent a bunch of time taking this decision. It was not you know, like, okay, one morning I woke up and said, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go down this path and I'm not looking at the family option. But after a lot of thought, after talking to my um, husband, after having very candid conversations with my in-laws and my parents, you know, we decided that, um, you know, not starting a family was the right decision for us. 
and very surprisingly yashika i have to tell you my mother in law who has throughout been a homemaker and who's um, been from a very conservative background she was my biggest champion you know saying that no you know you got a good thing going uh, focus on that you don't have to worry about having kids if you feel it's not for you don't do it and i think just you know assembling that crew of support whether it's your family friends and whoever else you are close to i think that's very very important for a woman to be successful in what she chooses to be i'm sure there are a bunch of people out there a lot of women who juggle both and you know my hats off to them i can't do it um and so i chose not to but i'm going to you know segue into another you know thing which we hear so often which is you know women can have it all which i'm sure is you know penned by some man uh because it's such an uncompromising absolute and very unachievable bar that is set for most women if you plan to actually try to do both then you know you must be perfect in both which you know just doesn't happen uh, sonali isn't it such a barrier and a certain baggage that you carry uh, right into your dna that uh, you know you have to be the best in all that you do and how do you really get over that i think yashika that is an unending journey and as you said it is so wired into women you know across upbringings that you need to be perfect and then such small things but you know for example all meals in the house should be well planned and you know nutritious and tasty and the woman needs to make sure you know the family is enjoying those meals so you have to be perfect there uh your house has to be perfect it has to be completely clean everything must be in order it should be beautifully decorated you know when people come in they must say wow what a beautiful house if you have kids you know the kids should be straight a students always dressed well you know artistically inclined yet you know geniuses in studies it's just so unrealistic and you know if that doesn't happen if any of these doesn't happen the blame goes always to the woman it's never the man of the house which will take blame for the fact that you know maybe your children actually uh, get messy actually you know break things your house actually has dust in some corners no it's always on the woman and then on top of that if you're a professional most professional organizations will view you as just the person who's the professional they don't understand there is a huge like life that you have outside of work now it's even worse right i mean there's no there it's a blur now it's even worse because there are no uh, barriers at all there's no 9 to 5 and then walk out and walk into your house there is absolutely and i think that's the huge downside to working from home but i'll also say this yashika it's a huge opportunity 
for people to be able to create some barriers and manage both. Like I know of a lot of women who are actually thriving at this time because they don't have, you know, they're saving on a lot of things which were wasteful, for example, time to commute to work, you know, um, having to go for meetings, let's say to a client, etc. Or you can actually, you know, log in from your home and do it. And then, you know, you, if, if you can be smart about your boundaries, it's actually a good way for women right now to be able to do uh, all the things that they are supposed to do. Is that sustainable, so personally? This culture from a work point of view, do you think it's sustainable for women who are entering the workforce or who are in the initial stages of the workforce now? So I think, you know, it's tricky for people who are starting, right? Because I think to be able to do something remotely, you need to have known how to have done it and have had all the coaching, guidance, etc., which happens, you know, um, face to face in person. So I, I do think it is a steeper learning curve and more difficult for women who are, you know, getting into the workspace as at this time. But I also think that, you know, the situation is what it is. And I think the good part is that a lot of the economy is booming, right? So jobs counter to what we thought would happen are actually very well, um, you know, there are a lot of jobs in the market. So I think making the best of the situation is actually something I think women for centuries have done amazingly at. And I think they will, you know, rise to that challenge and do that well at this point as well. So, uh, you know, because you spoke about uh, women, women at work and you spoke about difficult choices. Another uh, very important factor is difficult conversations and getting a seat at the table. This is something that uh, most women in the professional entrepreneurial space, irrespective of their education, their experience, have faced a challenge with. Uh, it's hard to speak up. It's it's hard to act confident or to be confident even if you really are and you know the subject well. How do you deal with that to get a seat at the table? So let me start with uh, something which happened to me many years ago. Uh, I walked into a boardroom uh, for a meeting that I was supposed to co-run with somebody. I was relatively new to the organization and a lot of people still didn't know who I was. And when I walked into that room, it was all men. I was the only woman. And somebody actually turned to me and said, uh, are you in the right room? Are you supposed to be here? This was my meeting. So, you know, um, that was, I think, my uh, starting point. And this is very real, you know, right from people talking over you to mansplaining to, you know, a woman saying something and not being heard and a man saying the same thing five minutes later and everyone like agreeing or disagreeing or at least hearing that person out. So, you know, I think most women professionals have seen it all. There are few things that have worked for me. 
and uh, which I can share. One is fake it till you make it works brilliantly here. Really? Right? Because yes, absolutely. Because when you when you're in that first meeting and you want to make a point, you are most likely going to stop yourself from making it because you're going to feel like I will say something foolish. I have nothing to add. People will not listen to me. All those barriers. I would still say make the point. It doesn't matter if someone listens to you. It doesn't matter if someone ignores you. It just does not matter. The first battle that you have is with yourself. You have to get comfortable in making your voice heard. That's when others will get comfortable in hearing your voice. So I think the first thing to do is actually set yourself a goal. In the next meeting I go to, I will land these two points. And I don't care if anybody listens, doesn't listen, I will land them. I don't know when I will land them, but I will land them. Set that goal for yourself. Once you've done this a couple of times, you will start feeling more confident. Then you will not have to think about landing those two points because you already know when I'm going into a meeting, I am going to make two points, which I know I will say. Then you raise the bar for yourself further, which could be that I actually interject to something that I'm not in agreement with and then make my point. So, you know, it's a curve. But till you start, you'll never, you'll never actually be able to do it. So fake it till you make it works really well in this. The second is, it's a muscle, you know, it really does get better with time, practice, exercise. So do that. The third tip that I can, you know, suggest is if you're particularly apprehensive because it's maybe a very big meeting and you just feel like you're going to you know mess something up if you have somebody who is in your organization a confidant a mentor or a friend bounce off what you're going to say with them do actually what i call a dry run and you know be like you would be in the meeting and talk through what you were going to say two, three times with them over, let's say, a week in the run-up to the meeting. And you'll feel that much more comfortable. And you would have already had feedback from the person on, you know, what's working, what's not working. So you will go in feeling a lot more prepared to say what you have to. So the seat at the table, you know, most women have earned. They are just too shy to take it. Or once they are in it, they are just too hesitant to make the most use of it. I would say if you've earned it, then make the best use of it because you're also setting an example for other women in the room or other people in your team to be able to do this. But you're also making it uh, more common for men to hear a female voice, you know, getting them more attuned to say, okay, today I'm saying this, tomorrow another woman will say it, they will just be more attuned to hearing female voices. So I think you owe it to yourself, but you also owe it to the larger female professional community to do this and make it something which is just a given, right? Not even something that you think twice about. 
So, uh, one tip to work your way to the top. Earn trust. I think that's the biggest thing you can do. I mean, if you're damn good at your job, but people don't trust you, and you've not invested in building those relationships, then you won't go very far. I've seen people with uh, mediocre confidence and competence, but with great relationships grow further because people trust them and they support and nurture them to get to the top. So that would be my one tip. Lovely. With respect to COVID and the opportunities or the lack thereof, have things changed and what is that one or maybe top two challenges that young people getting into the workforce will have to navigate or be prepared for? So I think the first thing really is, you know, uh, getting used to working in a remote environment. I think, you know, the COVID situation is still going to be fluid for a while. And, you know, there will be a mixture of, you know, trying to come into office, but working remotely. It's not, I'm sure most places will not open up completely in large numbers. So just getting comfort around being productive, uh, you know, from home or from wherever you are working from remotely will be important. And as we discussed, right, it's not easy. If you know the job and if you, you know, had some years of in-person coaching, mentoring, learning on the job, it's that much easier. But if you're stepping in new into something, learning and then being productive while remote is, is a challenge. So I would say just building up that skill, finding a designated space where you can work from where you're not you know, kind of interrupted or disturbed at a regular basis, Fixing, you know, times that you will take a break, being more disciplined about how you're spending your work time and, you know, sticking to, to that schedule diligently is going to be important. The second is a wider skill. It's not only a professional skill, but I think resilience is going to be extremely important uh, in the years to come, you know. COVID came out of nowhere, right? Like nobody thought that it will hit the global scenario in the way that it did. And we don't know what else is up ahead. So I think the one thing people should invest in, whether it's, you know, doing some kind of course or, you know, building resilience through meditation or whatever else it is that helps, right? But Resilience is going to be key because I feel like there will be a lot of stuff that will be dynamic, which will not go the way we expect it to go. And then still to be able to stay centered, focused, productive, and peaceful in your head is going to be super important for people to be successful. Talking of which, what does achievement mean to you? Achievement to me, uh, Yashika, is uh, is something which is uh, dynamic and not static. But the way I look at it is it's really a, a way to kind of measure how you're progressing in life. I started with saying, you know, fixing goals for me was very important to kind of, you know, get to financial independence and having autonomy in my life. 
so i feel like achievements are you know a translation of the fact that you've reached a goal successfully but i also like to use an achievement as a stepping stone to then do more right so which is why i say for me it's dynamic and um, i also say that you know never rest on your laurels uh, because to keep growing i think keep moving keep progressing and build on what you've already achieved at least is what you know i feel has worked for me lovely thank you so much for these thoughts thank you for sharing how you found a seat at the table and hopefully many other women women listening to this will thanks so much for your time and thank you for being on the show lovely having you thank you yashika and i'm really really glad we had this conversation uh thank you for the opportunity and i hope people enjoy listening to this thanks for tuning in feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section subscribe or hit follow voice of achievers on apple podcast google podcasts hubhopper spotify jio savan gana or wherever you get your podcasts from send us an email on editor@voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover don't forget to tune in next week again voice of achievers on epilog media